In the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome, everybody. Rebound Radio. Oh, I got a little reverb in my... Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Alex Clancy live in studio today. Uh, Matt Fish is out saving the world, doing one thing or another. 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Matt Fish at Rebound Talk. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the foundation for Rebound Radio started with Rebound Magazine. Matt Fish, uh, a veteran of uh, 10 years in the NBA, CBA, and overseas, started this publication for former uh, NBA players uh, linked with the National Basketball Retired Players Association. And its sole purpose is to give awareness and um and tell stories about guys that used to play in the NBA and what they're doing now and and everything uh, in between, what their life story is, the trials and tribulations they went through to coin the cliche, uh, and you know how they've learned from their mistakes and how to teach um, future players and, and people alike um, how to not make the mistakes that they made. 888-346-9144. Again, I'm live in studio on the docket today. Like we do every first segment, I'll talk about uh, the stuff that's going on uh, with NBRPA and, and what Matt Fish is doing. Uh, he's one of the 11 chapter presidents. Uh, he's the president for the Phoenix chapter. Uh, I'll talk about what's going on, what, what's up, up and coming with the NBRPA, NBRPA and what Matt does uh, charity-wise, which is... Uh, tangentially linked, but not necessarily directly linked to the NBRPA. He does it out of the goodness of his heart. So, talking about that, we'll talk NBA. Charles Oakley lost his damn mind once again. Talk Carmelo and the whole issue that's going on uh, within Madison Square Garden and the city of New York. Talk a little Russell Westbrook. Uh, they have He has an upcoming matchup with Kevin Durant this Saturday night at home. Kevin Durant's long-awaited uh, return to Oklahoma City. I'll tell you about what I think will happen uh, Blake Griffin, I'm going to talk to him a little bit. I'm going to compare him to Aaron Gordon and Kawhi Leonard. It's a weird comparison, but pretty much the crux of it is that if you perform really, really well your rookie year as a number one overall pick, it's never going to be good enough in the eye of the media and of teams as a whole uh, because you'll require huge contracts. And with his rookie line, I'll, I'll bring it up later, uh, he's bound to fail. And it's unfair. I've ripped Blake Griffin for a long time because he's never, he's always a first and third quarter player. I equate him to Amari Stoudemire, who have great numbers 23 and 10, 25 and 15. But the majority of those numbers will come in the first and third quarters, in the first six or seven minutes of the second and fourth quarter. But when it comes down to money time, he's nowhere to be found. 888-346-9144. You can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. So let's get right into it. Uh, rolling out in the next couple months, the Schooled app. This is something that Matt Fish has spearheaded. He's worked with a couple great platform guys, app guys, that will roll this out soon. Pretty much kids between the ages, he's trying to target between the ages of 7 and you know 14 or 15 on the way into high school. It's an app where you learn about financial literacy. You learn how uh, to save money, how to spend wisely, how to not throw money away, uh, flush it down the drain, everything in that regard. And as a kid, when you get money, not many kids save it. They're like, ooh, 
10 bucks. Let's go to a movie. Let's go play video games, do everything like that. And that's well and good. But Matt's app, Schooled Pro, is um, it's set to teach kids lessons. And if once you get to a certain level, it'll unlock money for uh, college scholarship. And this isn't like an in-app purchase app where, you know, you get to level six. And then before you can unlock these grants, you have to pay monthly or anything like that. This is really a free app, and it's it's geared towards helping the under, younger generation not get into financial quarrels with themselves or with bad business opportunities and and things like that. And and Matt, this is his this is his scarlet letter. So he works with the NBRPA again. He's a Phoenix chapter president, everything like that. But what his baby is, aside from his literal children is financial literacy and teaching the younger generations how to not mess up as a teenager and adult. I kind of wish I had that when I was younger because it's an ongoing learning process, how to save money and how to do everything like that. And and Matt really, um, he believes in this product and so do I, you know, so this will be rolling out in the next six or eight months. We will continue to plug it and upcoming events. The, for the all-star game, Matt just put out the new rebound magazine uh, publication and it is good. I got, I got an advanced copy because, you know, I'm in the know now. I'm, I'm in the VIP lounge uh, with the velvet rope. And I got to see it, and it was great. A lot of great interviews. And uh, the All-Star Game festivities, although are great spectacles on TV, they're also a time for Matt to really promote Rebound Magazine, Rebound Radio, and the National Basketball Retired Players Association. The NFLPA is the one that gets all of the publications with all the CTE and, and concussions and injuries from their former players and the insurance not paying out the way they should, rightfully so. But the NBRPA is kind of under the radar. It's been snowballing for the last 25 years, getting bigger and bigger uh, former athletes that aren't the top-tier guys. You know, the guys that made $100 million when they were 25. So all things considered are pretty much set for the rest of their life. Unless, unless you were on the, the broke, uh, 30 for 30 or whatever it was called. Uh, they're usually pretty much set. Now these guys are guys that played five, six, seven years that made some coin, but nothing astronomical, like even $50 million, even 20. So they go back to their families after they retire, whether it's forced out or by injury. And then they have their whole lives to, to like, what the hell do I do now? This is all I've ever known. I was always the best at basketball, always the best on the court, got to the NBA, and it wasn't exactly the case. Uh, some people try to play overseas, that works for a while, but at some point, everybody retires. And if you retire at 26, and this has been your whole career, your whole life, everything you've known, then you're kind of like, damn it, what do I do now? And that's where the NBRPA comes into play. They help with uh, job locations, um, job interview processes, they have classes on that, they have classes on marriage counseling. They have classes on drug and alcohol abuse help. I mean, it's it's multifaceted, multi-pronged, and that's what the NBRPA is all about. Uh, when Matt's in next week, we'll be able to talk about it a little bit more. But for the most part, that is it in a nutshell. Now, I get to talk about the guys that make all this money and don't deserve it. Um, I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. I've given him a lot of crap recently and for my whole radio career of all of, you know, the budding six years that I've been in existence. And he's always been a diva. When he was in Denver, he got drafted. And after a couple years, Allen Iverson comes in and he's like, I'm not the star anymore. I'm going to pout on the bench. Trade me. His wife was uh, centered in New York. Lala was on TRL at the time. She's like, 
I want to live here. Carlisle's like, I want to get traded to the Knicks, so I'm not going to play until you make that happen. So the Knicks traded every single important player on their team for Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo going to New York was actually with a worse product than he left in the Rocky Mountains of Denver. Flash forward to today, Carmelo Anthony signed a $125 million contract a few years ago which is actually a bargain now because of how much uh, the salary cap has gone up due to the new TV deal, Carmelo has a no-trade clause in his contract because he doesn't want what happened when he, traded, when he was traded to the Knicks to happen again. So not only can he say, no, I don't want to be traded to that specific team, but he can also have a say in who he gets traded for so he doesn't get traded for a team that's you know skeleton and, and bones like he got when he was in New York. So Phil Jackson, 11 championships, uh, the whole thing, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. You can talk about him and Red Auerbach in the same breath. He's not a great GM, Phil Jackson. So now they have a huge situation there where there are these two of the biggest egos in the NBA. One, I guess, pseudo-rightfully so, and the other, not so much because he doesn't want Jack. Butting heads. And... Carmelo's like, I'll go to Cleveland, I'll go to the Clippers. But due to one weird rule in the collective bargaining agreement, Carmelo Anthony, even if he wanted to be, could not be traded for Blake Griffin because Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose were both number one overall picks, and because of how the contracts are set up, they can't be on the same team. They can't. Blake Griffin cannot be traded there. They can't be on the same team via trade, which is ridiculous. And... Um, I don't know why the Knicks would want him anyways, besides putting people in the stands. But the fans of New York are in a quandary here. Because they hate Carmelo. Okay, that's fine. Uh, he doesn't do anything to help anybody else. He has six triple-doubles and er, six games of over 10 assists in 755 career games. Not a, not a, very, good, uh, not a very good statistic for old Melo. So, that's number one. He doesn't make anybody better. He's not going to change. He would have changed already. He's been in the league 13 years. The one out that I give Carmelo, that I will always give Carmelo, is that he went to Syracuse. They play a 2-3 zone there. He never learned how to play defense. Period. Because you can play a lose zone in the NBA now, but it's not the same. you got to be in arm's reach. You can't just put your arms out and pretend to run to the corner with this little 5-6 guy shooting threes and, and just killing your team. It's not going to work like that in the NBA. So he never learned at a young age. He went through AAU, went to Oak Hill. It's who can score more points. It's not who plays the best defense. But you have guys that try to get better once they get to the NBA, not just on the offensive side of the ball, and Carmelo never did that. Say what you want about James Harden. James Harden is trying to play defense. He's trying. I mean, he's awful, but he's a lot better than he was last year, which said a lot for last year and how bad he was. Carmelo's numbers, I want to compare them to Allen Iverson. Because Allen Iverson was a polarizing character, too. He actually made it to a finals pretty much on his own. Uh, one game one against the Lakers, and then got they lost four straight. Uh, Car- um, uh, Allen Iverson's career numbers, 26.5, four rebounds, six assists. Which, as a shooting guard that you know dominated the ball, he was never really a point guard. They had Eric Snow, and they had guys like that that... Allen Iverson pretty much scored for both positions. Carmelo, 24-6-3. Okay. He's 6'8. Carmelo Anthony's 6'8. 
The fact that you only average six rebounds over your career with the top one being, I think it was eight, 8.1 was the most he's ever averaged in a season. It shows lack of effort. It shows lack of effort. And that's what Knicks fans are despising at this point. If he tried and tried and tried, it would be different, but you can tell he doesn't care. And I understand their team is bad, and their team has been bad. And he is one of the reasons for it, but also Phil Jackson, uh, pretty he let Tyson Chandler walk because he didn't want to pay him, brought in Joe Kim Noah this year, gave him 70 mil. This guy hasn't played a full season in this millennium, seemingly. Brought in Derrick Rose, who is who's uh, a, there's a bull inside of his china shop because one hair out of place and he get injured for the rest of the year. Star-studded, yes. Fans will always go to Nick games, but they will boo. This isn't, this isn't like a team like Milwaukee where they have less of a fan base, but they cheer. They love their team because, I mean, that's what else do you have in Milwaukee besides Green Bay? But in Wisconsin, but besides Green Bay and the Badgers. But... The Knicks expect an irrational outcome from what's going on right now. So say you trade Carmelo, okay? Say you trade him to the Clippers, which is seemingly where, where he should end up unless he just tries to stick it to the Knicks and just plays and makes his money and lives in Manhattan then goes home and w- without any regard for his team as a whole. So say he gets traded to the Clippers. What they're looking at is Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson. That's how they get back. I mean, they might throw a pick in there, but the Clippers are good enough to where the pick is going to be in the, in the low 20s or high teens. Anyway, so the, the chance of getting an impact player there in the NBA draft is pretty much null. Unless you get a diamond in the rough, you get a, you get a project, you, take, you send him to the D-League. Uh, the Knicks aren't ready for that. So if you trade Carmelo, you get nobody back. You get nobody back. This is like, if you trade Carmelo and you get those three players back, it's like watching the movie Eddie 82 82 times a year without them making the playoffs. Whoopi Goldberg would have a better chance of of, uh, getting something out of this team than their their, uh, current head coach. Phil Jackson has had four coaches in three years of his GM tenure. It's just a big mess. So, this is Carmelo reaping what he's sowed over the last 13 years. He's the most decorated U.S. Olympic basketball player ever. If you've listened to any of these shows, you know what I think about that. He went last year just to get the fourth one, so he could be the most decorated U.S. basketball player in history. That's as close as he's going to get to any sort of real Hall of Fame credential. He'll probably make it because he's a prolific scorer. Nobody's questioning that. But that's it. One trick. One trick pony. And it's, it's not fun to watch. I mean, I'm a Laker fan. Listen, I have, haven't been more excited to be a Laker fan since Shaq left in the last, you know, the last two years because it's happening organically and it's never happened organically in L.A. And the Knicks are like the stepchild of putting together talent to try and win. You put together Joe Kim Noah, Derrick Rose, and Carmelo. Now, the Lakers brought in Dwight Howard when he was still somewhat relevant, 
and then uh, David Stern vetoed Chris Paul trade, which kind of changed everything. That that set the Lakers back ten years. But they make correct decisions, and the Knicks since signing Phil Jackson to you know fifteen million dollars, twenty million dollars a year, whatever the hell he got, have not made a correct decision yet. Alex Clancy in studio on the other side. I'm going to talk Kawhi Leonard and why Carmelo and Kawhi are indirectly linked for all the wrong reasons for Carmelo. Alex Clancy in Studio Rebound Radio. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy in Studio Rebound Radio, 888-346-9144. Uh, talking Carmelo, I'm almost done. I promise. Kawhi Leonard, okay, drafted, I believe, 16th overall uh, by uh, San Antonio uh, a couple years back in 2011. Uh, that was a pretty good trade for Indiana. They got George Hill, and they gave up Kawhi Leonard. That was smart. I'm going to give you his points and rebounds per game since he's come into the league. And let's see if uh, Carmelo's 27-6 and six throughout his career uh, matches up. 7 points, 5 rebounds, rookie. 12 points, 6 rebounds, second year. 13 points, 6 rebounds, third year. 16 points, 7 rebounds, fourth year. 21 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, fifth year. 25 points, 6 rebounds, 90% from the line this year. And he's getting to the line 3 times more than he has in his career before now. This is called improving once you get into the NBA. I don't want to hear about this is a system thing. You don't teach wanting to get better. Either you've been great forever and want to ride the coattails 
to hundreds of millions of dollars, which is fine. I mean, there's no knocking that. It's not like it's a, it, it's a, you know, it, it's a bad thing to do. I mean, it is to me, but you know, I care about, you know, morale and trying to make your team better and trying to stamp your legacy on the game. Kawhi Leonard quietly is the third best player in the NBA. And I'll put him above Russell Westbrook, behind James Harden, and behind LeBron James. Whoa, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I'll get to them. After this, I didn't tease this correctly, but I will be talking about 7th grade basketball awards and who would get each one if you are a Golden State Warrior and why there's only A-minus players and no A or A-plus players on that team. I'll talk about that right after this. Kawhi Leonard had to work for everything that he has now. He's 6'9". He's got a 7'3 wingspan. That's great. 6'7". 7'3 wingspan. Arguably the best defender in the league. I still think LeBron's the best defender in the league, on-ball defender. I mean, he's like Deion Sanders. Like, you just take the guy out of the game, whoever he's guarding, whether it be a point guard or a center. Kawhi Leonard is not a system player. He has a system personality. Drafted him for that reason out of San Diego State. He never jumped off the page in San Diego State. But San Antonio saw, oop, demeanor, got it. Hard work ethic, got it. Perfect body type, got it. He's going to be our next star. You don't hear anything from him. He doesn't get technical fouls. He just comes to work, plays ball, and goes home. So that is the polar opposite thought process that Carmelo has and has had. Score as many points. If I score more than the guy that I'm defending, it comes out on top. No. You play both sides of the ball. Ask Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is arguably the best defender we've ever seen. But that doesn't make the highlight real, so people don't talk about it. He was really all NBA defense every year. It's not all off-the-ball blocks and steals that Kobe got. That's what got him all NBA. LeBron is a completely different body type, so you can't compare the two. And Kawhi Leonard's right in the middle of LeBron and Jordan. Longer arms than Jordan, smaller in stature and girth body weight than LeBron. But he's fast, he works hard, and he shuts his mouth and plays ball. Not that you have to shut your mouth to equate to this you know, all-encompassing body that I'm talking about, but that's the right way. That's the right way to play basketball. And it's getting lost in this David Stern, this post-David Stern apocalyptic version of basketball that we're watching where only two and a half teams could win the championship. But it's a richer organization than it ever has been. Billions and billions and billions instead of millions and millions and millions. And you got to tip your hat to David Stern for that, for globalizing the game. So, awards before the All-Star game. For the Golden State Warriors, I'm going to go Coach's Award, Most Inspirational, MVP, and Most Improved. And the, the, the list might shock you. There's one that won't shock you. Most Inspirational, Draymond Green, that's fine. He, he wouldn't be relevant if he wasn't on the Warriors. He causes more of an issue 
then actually benefits the team. Well, I don't, he hit so many big shots. He hit big shots when they're up 15 in the playoffs and he's wide open because Steph has already hit seven in a row. Oh, he plays great defense. He's kicking people in the junk. That's automatic minus 10 points. You lose a grade for that. So I would put him at a C-plus player. I would put him at a B-plus player if he wasn't such a knucklehead. But if he wasn't playing for the Warriors, he would be DeMarcus Cousins without the talent. But because there's all this positive Northern California aura around him, he gets away with 90% of stuff that most players wouldn't get away with if you're in Milwaukee or Philadelphia. So, coaches are um, most inspirational. Draymond Green. Congratulations, here's a backhanded compliment. Most improved. Clay Thompson. So, Clay Thompson, anywhere else, would probably average 28 and 5. Wouldn't play as hard on the defensive side of the ball because he has to exert more energy on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know this to be fact, but this is my projection and I'm talking, so that's what I'm saying. Instead of averaging 21 and 7 and actually being the best defender on the team, on the ball defender, Draymond's probably the best off the fall, best team defender, but Clay Thompson, 6 7, he can D up. He gave the Cavs fits in the finals until, you know, well, you know what happened. Most improved, Clay Thompson. Coach's Award. This is the most favorite player on the team. This is between most inspirational and MVP. You don't get most improved because you don't normally make that many steps up the rung, rungs up the ladder uh, in improvement uh, status. Steph Curry. Coach's Award. Lovable, babyface, great family man, great. All those things are great. His game is never going to waver from what it is right now. He's been in the league eight years, I think. He's 28, 27. This is Steph Curry, which is great. I mean, he's, he's changed the face of the NBA like nobody could ever see him coming out of Davidson when one game they put him in the corner of the offensive side of the, of the, offensive side of the basketball court and just had one guy just face guarding him. They won by 30, and he took three shots and didn't score. So it's a far cry from that. He's, he can get his own shot. He can shoot over anybody. He's the best bad shot maker we've ever seen. I mean, he's, if he, all, all things being equal and injuries and everything, if, if he stays healthy, he will blow away Reggie Miller and, and Ray Allen for the three-point, uh, all-time three-point make leader in, in the history of the NBA. But this is what he is. He's, especially with Kevin Durant there, he is 25 and 6. That's what it is. He's a defensive liability. He shoots 95% from the line. He shoots 40 plus percent from three. He probably shoots right around 50% from the field, which, which are great, fantastic, all-star, awesome numbers. That's great. That's what you're going to get. Coach's award. By himself, he cannot elevate a team to the championship level. By himself, he cannot. Once you got Klay Thompson, then, ooh, I don't need to score all the points. I don't need to dribble the ball all the time. I can pass. I can come off picks. Good. Draymond Green, awesome. Second-round pick. They got him lightning in a bottle with him because they really exerted no effort in drafting him except for getting lucky and seeing a four-year player out of Michigan State. Tom Izzo uh, raised. They could play defense. The three-point shot has come. That's fine. MVP, Kevin Durant. 
and he was the third best player in the NBA when he came there, and he's probably the fourth best NBA player now, arguably with Kawhi Leonard ahead of him. But I don't need to say anything about Kevin Durant. You know. You know, 27 and 8, that's what he's going to be, and that's what it is. I think he's even dipped lower than that this year because of all. The, I mean, there's not enough ball to go around. What is he at? He's at, damn it, where the hell is it? He's at 25 and a half. 25.7 and 8.7. Those are his numbers. And that's, again, what you're going to get, which is great. And I'm, I'm not diminishing the fact of how hard it is to score 25 points a game in an NBA game. I'm not diminishing that fact. I'm just making, putting this into a microcosm of the future of the, of the Golden State Warriors. And with the current construct of the team, this is what these guys' positions are going to be for the foreseeable future unless one of them gets traded or, or something catastrophic happens, which nobody hopes. So Kevin Durant, 25-7. and seven. He wasn't the most passionate guy, overtly at least, which isn't necessarily a bad thing in Oklahoma City. He let, and I say let purposefully, he let Russell Westbrook take more big shots than Russell Westbrook should have been taking when they played together. They gave up a 3-1 lead against Golden State last year. Russell Westbrook and him both came up super soft, super weak, when they had the chance, three chances, in fact, to put the dagger in the, the, the reigning NBA champs. With the home, uh, yeah, with the home game. So that says a lot about him. And they haven't really, they got to a finals once. That's fine. They lost to Miami. That's fine. They lost to a better team. They were younger. They probably shouldn't, they, they were overachieving at that point at a better team. Serge Ibaka was actually playing like Serge Ibaka was at the time. Great defense. So now, running down the list, A- minus Kevin Durant. I'm not going to give him an A because he hasn't proved to me that he deserves the A. Steph Curry, A- minus defensive liability. Clay Thompson, most improved. He's not a top 15 guy in the NBA right now, which is the only people that would get A's if they deserved them. And Draymond Green, most inspirational C plus because he kicks people in the junk. And it's not the actual act of him kicking people in the nether regions. It's the idiotic nature that would put it into his head that it would be okay at any point in time to do it. Which is, I mean, ridiculous. I'm holding back tears of laughter at this point, even thinking about talking about a grown-ass man kicking people in the, you know. So that's it. So you have three... You have two A-minus players and a B-plus player and a C-plus player, which most teams would yearn for. In my opinion, I'd rather have an A and three Bs. Somebody you know during crunch time can get you a bucket. Golden State has had the liberty of not having to play close games in the playoffs besides that Oklahoma City uh, series and in the finals when they went up 3-1 and then lost. And you can say all you want until you're blue in the face that Draymond Green's the reason why they lost Game 5. Give me a break. If you're a real leader on that team, you do it by proxy just because you're sitting on the damn bench. Or, oh no, he, he wasn't allowed to be there. Just by proxy, they're in the same city. So that's ridiculous. There are very few A's that have won championships that are still playing in the NBA right now. LeBron James. Yeah. 
I think that's about the list. So say what you want about LeBron, but he wins when he needs to. And he did have Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving healthy last year, which definitely helped. Kyrie's probably an A minus, B plus, because he doesn't play. He says that he plays defense, and people say that he does. Doesn't play great defense. He gets a lot of great steals, gets a lot of loose ball steals that a lot of guys might not be able to get to because of his pure freakish athleticism. Kevin Love doesn't play defense for crap. So say you have an A and two B pluses, which is better than in two A minuses, a B plus, and a C plus. Because at least Kevin Love rebounds. He does two things really well on the offensive side of the ball. And the defensive side of the ball, he's one of the best defensive rebounders in the game. Especially for his size. Kyrie Irving is the best one-on-one basketball player from the point guard position in the NBA. Damian Lillard uh, might be able to give him a run for his money, but Kyrie's the one. And you can see just some of the, I mean, well, the game winner. Game time. Crunch time. He's hit more big shots in the last three years that people give him credit for. LeBron James, game time. Covered 80 feet in three seconds and blocked Andre Iguodala's shot. The fact that his iconic moment with all of his great offensive accolades and passing abilities and everything, his iconic moment will be the block. It will be the block from now and forever. Even if he wins another one, unless he has an even more iconic one than that. But that was the, again, the microcosm of that series. Who wanted it more? And you can tell LeBron wanted that so badly. Everybody wants it. I get it. LeBron, that was the last burst of real energy he had in his tank. He's like, I'm going to use it now. And the rest is history. So the Slurpers of Golden State, that's great. They are going to be the best, potentially the best offense, uh, the best regular season basketball team in the six-year stretch Take away Jordan's Bulls. And then, you know, in the 60s with the Celtics and everything, that's not even fair. Because there were like six teams then. No, I'm just playing. That was, but in the 60s, it was just a different game. So they could potentially be with this team, especially if Durant signs a long term deal for another eight years, they could be a a, a viable team winning 67, 68, 69 games a year without breaking a sweat. But when it comes down to it, are you Peyton or are you Eli in the finals, in the playoffs? When it comes time to win, can you win? And it's easier in the NBA because you play a seven-game series. So the best team usually wins. And if the teams are even, there are a lot of bounces, uh, clutch plays like we saw in the finals last year. The best team usually wins. In my opinion, you go to three games, first series, or five Five games in the second series, seven to reward yourself for getting to the conference finals, and seven for the finals. It adds parity. And for all the things that David Stern instilled in Adam Silver before he gave the reins over, all the things that he preached to him about, hey, we want to have a product that isn't just two teams strong, they threw that crap out the window. Two teams. Can win. I mean, this is Lakers Celtics in the 80s. And you can't even have an 83 championship with uh, the 76ers anymore. You can't even get it. Moses Malone and, uh, and Dr. J, you can't even have that. 
The only team that might have the ability to do that is San Antonio, but they don't have the, the firepower right now. They don't have the ability. They don't have the depth. And forget it if you think the Celtics are going to come out of the East. You are high. So, that's all i got to say about that. Got to take a break. On the other side, I'm going to revisit the Blake Griffin conversation as to being a number one overall pick and why, unless you win early, it'll ultimately not be fair for you because your career will never be good enough. Alex Clancy in studio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Final segment. Man, uh, living in Phoenix, this is tough. It seems like every time a player that has played at one point with the Phoenix Suns goes somewhere else and just... It was bonkers the whole season. Isaiah Thomas is averaging 29 a game. I mean, I know this isn't news. He's 5'6". This is insane. Anytime somebody plays for the Suns or the Diamondbacks or the Cardinals goes elsewhere, boom. Even Michael Floyd, that drunkard, got a ring with the word, with the Patriots. Unbelievable to me. Anyways, 888-346-9144. Alex Clancy in studio. Follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Uh, follow Matt at Rebound Talk. Email him at mattfish at reboundmagazine.com if you want to get any sort of information about Rebound Magazine or the NBRPA. He is the guy to talk to. Go to voiceamerica.tv. Click on the Rebound logo that's in the middle of the homepage. You see a bunch of videos that Matt and I did interviewing former players at the NBA Legends Conference in Vegas a couple months back. We will be adding to that. Matt definitely will uh, at the All-Star Game, and we will continuously add more and more things um, 
to that because content, you know, content's important. So, Blake Griffin, rookie year. Let's just start. Okay, let's start at 2000. Okay. Couple duds. So, Kenyon Martin went number one overall in 2000, averaged 12 and 7 his rookie year, which was good. That's what he was his whole career. I think he averaged 10 rebounds a game a couple, a couple seasons when he was with really good teams when they went to the finals a couple years in New Jersey. Kwame Brown, I mean, I averaged more points and rebounds in my NBA career than he has, and I have better hands because they're not made of brick. Yao Ming, 13 and 8. He ballooned those a little bit. He got up a little bit. Got 17 all-star, vote, all-star game votes in six year or eight years because uh, China. LeBron James averaged 21, 5, and 6 his rookie year. You can say he's improved. So he's kind of the outlier, and I'll explain in a second. Dwight Howard, 12 and 10 his rookie year. He's gotten better. He's kind of an outlier, but not really because he hasn't sniffed the championship aside from the one year that he pretty much single-handedly took him and six shooters uh, to the finals against the Lakers. Aside from a, a, a Derrick Rose, uh, Derek Fisher, a 30-footer, they could have won that, but they didn't, so it's proving my point. Andrew Bogut, 9-7. and seven. Yep, that's his career. Uh, Andre Bargnani, uh, next. Greg Oden, next. Derrick Rose, 16-6. and six. He's a good one. Let's go back to him in a moment. Blake Griffin, 22-12 and 12, his rookie year. And four assists. Okay, so 22-12-4. and four. You're 21 years old. You come out of Oklahoma. You have a poor run in the uh, NCAA tournament when, you know, they thought you were going to be the next big thing, win a championship. Now, Blake Griffin, aside, let's take away the fact that he can't stay healthy. Let's just take that away. High flyers from a young age, this is what happens. And it wasn't his rookie year. It was his second year because he tore his ACLs. I get it. The first full season that Blake Griffin played, 22-12-4. and four. That's pretty good. That's those are all star numbers. So, he averaged twenty two and twelve his first year. Twenty and eleven his second year, and he hasn't averaged ten rebounds a game since. Started eighty games the last couple of years. He's had major injuries. Um, he's definitely improved his free throw percentage. He has low turnovers, which is which is good for. You know, a guy that handles the ball as much as he does, and he's gotten a lot better ball handling. It's like he's improved in ways that don't really matter except for for highlight reels. So I stated in the first segment that he is Amari Stoudemire part deux. Great in the first quarter, great in the third quarter. Great to start the second quarter. He probably comes off the bench with eight minutes left or nine minutes left, depending on the coach, depending on the rotation. Plays the rest of the second quarter, plays the rest of the fourth quarter. With two or three minutes left in the second and fourth quarter, you don't see him. Or if you see him, he's trying to give the ball up so fast that it's like it was on fire. Because he, like everybody else knows, he can't finish during money time. I've seen one game winner of his, and it was against the Suns, and the ball hit the lower right side of the rim from the right side and somehow ricocheted up into the air and went in. Uh, only against the Suns. I'm not even a Suns fan. I just feel bad for Suns fans at this point. So, his best numbers were his rookie year. Just take that in for a second. He averaged 24-9 one year, but his best numbers, all things considered, were in his rookie year as a number one overall pick. 
So, I've been one to ride him pretty hard. Carmelo Jr., but he's gotten a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. He's not good, but he's got better on the defensive side of the ball. He's a good teammate. He's benign. Like, he's not, he's not polarizing one way or the other. He's just kind of there. And punch a dude in the face that was one of his really good friends. That I think everybody's allowed one. Especially if you're a model citizen the rest of the time. You're allowed one knucklehead moment. And he had his. He repented for it. And now he's fine. So I give him the benefit, of the, not benefit of the doubt. I give him a reprieve. So that's not part of this conversation. So he's improved. The team hasn't won. And a lot of times I won't give a direct uh, referral, like a, a direct bad connotation to that. Because if one guy's getting better, he's working really hard, playing great defense, and there aren't people around him, that happens. It's the NBA. Especially now when it's, it's, you have to have three stars to win because that's what the teams that win have. James Harden is a perfect example. So James Harden goes to Houston. He has the keys to the castle. And, you know, he puts up his 28, shoots 17 threes a game, gets to the line 12 times. So, okay, his numbers are ballooned because he gets to the line so much and gets foul called. Good. Do points count less because you get to the free throw line? And, yes, he flails, yes, but he's he found a loophole in the system. It's called progress. It's called it's called innovation. He wasn't a superstar then, but he was getting the calls because he knew how to get the calls. That's not his fault. Ride it till it bucks you, and it hasn't bucked him yet. So why would you stop? Why would you stop doing that? He learned how to pass the ball, like really be a proficient passer. He's leading the NBA in assists right now. At 11 and a half or 12? Where's Chris Paul? I know Chris Paul pun- broke his hand again. 11.4. He's averaging 29 and 11 and a half. Those are magic. Those are better than Magic Johnson numbers. Now, I'm not comparing the two. Okay, stop. But those are astronomical numbers. And his team's winning. That's the direct correlation of a positive change, a positive progression in your game. Because your team is winning, it exacerbates the whole thing. It magnifies your progress positively. Because Blake Griffin learned how to dribble the ball, and he plays a little bit better defense, hasn't correlated to them getting out of the second round of the playoffs. They had a 3-1 lead two years ago to Houston and blew it. The misnomer that I'm trying to dissolve is that it's not exterior issues all the time. You do good things, you have the aura about you to make everybody else play better and work harder and take more gym time and do everything to make your team better. He's made himself better. Has he made the Clippers better? No. Well, there's star power there, DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul. That's fine. But that triumvirate hasn't done jack. Well, they brought in J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick has made that team better than Blake Griffin has. He has gone leaps and bounds from where he came from Duke where he was just shooting 35 footers in Cameron Indoor and draining him and then being the top five in the country and getting close to a championship and never winning. He's become a basketball player. He wasn't in Orlando and then he was like, you know what? I'm gonna I need to. 
Otherwise, I'm going to be out of the league. He went to Milwaukee, got better, got traded. Boom. Now you're on a contender. And he is providing positive actions on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. He is making the Clippers better than Blake Griffin is. So you have to understand the difference between James Harden and Blake Griffin. Two guys that either people love or hate. I mean, the beard, say what you want. Who cares? Are you, are you putting W's up? Yes? Okay, well then, I'm a fan of yours. 38 and 17. Houston. Name their starting lineup. I'll wait. No? He has the ability to have Patrick Beverly alongside him because Patrick Beverly is a lockdown defender, which helps, which, yes. But you need good players, to, as I said before. The Clippers have, on paper, third-best roster in the NBA. Maybe second. I think that them and Cleveland are tied. On paper, career numbers, tied. Where's the disconnect? Winning time. Money time. Clippers haven't. The Clippers are, it seems like they're so infatuated and so content with being the best team in L.A. that they don't care about anything else. And I know it's not overt, I understand. But the fact that they're by far the best team in L.A. right now, and they haven't been forever since they came, I think it was what, 85 or something, 83, they, they moved from San Diego, 80, 85. They, I mean, far and away, they were the worst team in the NBA, so let alone the, the best team, let alone the worst team in L.A., they were the worst team in the NBA for a long, long time. Oh, and they got Quentin Richardson, and you know, they drafted Lamar Odom and Darius Miles. Ooh, they, tried, ooh, they, they put threes on their head when they make threes. That's, that's what made the Clippers happy is when Quentin Richardson hit nine threes in a game and they lose by 12. Well, Q had a good game. Oh, Darius Miles. Oh, there's the three-point thing on your head again. I'm doing it like people can see. Now they're the best team in L.A., and it seems like they're okay with that. I love the argument. Oh, well, Steve Ballmer's only been the, the owner for two and a half years. He was given a golden ticket to go see Willy Wonka, and he hasn't done jack. He ate it with the candy bar that it came wrapped in. He hasn't done anything. Blake Griffin, it's too late. Number one overall pick. You performed so well as a rookie that either you're mentally tough enough, LeBron, or you're content with which is fine, 23 and 12 is a great line, but you still need to improve to win. And he hasn't. He's improved in benign ways that do not yield important victories for his team. Chris Paul made Tyson Chandler an all-star in New Orleans, Oklahoma City, when they were the slash at that point after Hurricane Katrina. He made Tyson Chandler an all-star. For alley-oops. That's it. DeAndre Jordan made his druthers after Chris Paul got there. All-star. Blake Griffin, if Blake Griffin is not averaging 30 and 15 a game, 
there is something wrong with his work re- workout regime, his work ethic. It seems like it's just good enough to be flashy and win 55 games in the regular season or 60 games. If you coast through the regular season, you have no shot in the playoffs. No shot. You think James Harden is taking a day off? You can see leaps and bounds athletically, assist-wise, drive, work ethic. He is putting in Ray Allen numbers in the gym when nobody's watching. Blake Griffin may take a little longer to rehab, may may slack a little bit. This is all projection uh, with me, me projecting this upon the situation that is the Los Angeles Clippers. Does it sound that wrong, though? James Harden is doing what Blake Griffin should be doing with less so he puts more effort in and of himself to make his team better. If James Harden was averaging 38 and 5 assists but he taught he was taught or taught himself how to be a lockdown defender, I'd be saying the same exact thing. It's not numbers based. It's wins based. Blake Griffin, the biggest detriment to his career, mental capacity-wise, poor English, is how well he performed his first full year in the NBA. All right, I got to get out of here. Got about 30 seconds. Uh, Alex Clancy in Studio Rebound Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Thanks to those on Facebook Live who are watching. Check out voiceamerica.tv. Click on the Rebound Radio uh, or the Rebound uh, Magazine logo. There's a lot of video on there. Matt Fish will be back next week. I believe we will potentially have a special guest in studio next week by the name of Francis. Alex Lancy once again in studio. Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.